Our next guest is legendary Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, one of the members of founding members. I mean, come on, man. He's just an absolute legend. There he is right there. Lou Graham, everybody, getting set to perform hey upstate New York on August 7th with uh, Steve Ajari and John Payne in Asia. Mitch and I, we're hoping we can get over the border to come to this gig because we've <laughs> literally been waiting over a year for this concert. And we, it's one of the things that we've been looking forward to the most. And so I'm, I'm really hoping we get over and see the show. Lou, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, guys. I'm doing well. Good. Yeah. How's the health? How you? How the you? Uh, how you holding up? I'm holding up great. Good. Good. So let's quickly talk about this. First of all, you are in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, which is to me more significant than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, talk to me just quickly about that induction that came a few years ago, and and what it means to be recognized for being a talented songwriter. It's, it's incredibly gratifying. Uh, you know, uh, 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 no, no slight to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at all. Uh, but, but uh, I mean, I, I think the Songwriters Hall of Fame is, is important because, because without a good song, you could be a great player and, and never gained a notoriety of having songs on the charts or anything it's it, i think it boils down to 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 the song before anything else right and i just realized you guys weren't inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and the fact that i thought you were is absolutely absurd because it's it's a disgrace that you're not in there there's a reason for that that uh, that I can't get into, but um, mm, political, yes, political. It yes, it is. Uh, that is that is unfortunate. It's just so, a shame because it's like you know if there if anybody deserves to be in there, it's you guys. So the amount of records that you sold, not not only the record sales, but it's like the amount of songs and the caliber and the quality of songs. So the fact that we said yes, you are in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I think, like you said, is more important than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the way. Yeah, and let's just mention this about uh, Foreigner. Their first five albums, the debut album and the follow-ups, the first five were mm -hmm. top five on Billboard. Yeah. That's, a, that's quite a run. And I don't think there's really been any other rock band or band in general or artist who have done that unless, you know, I mean, you guys were proper top 40. Yep. Yeah, we 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 uh, came out swinging. Yeah, yeah, you really did. Um, so talk to me about this about this show because you you've got Steve Algeri, you've got Asia with John Payne. You're coming out and doing a full set, or are you doing just four or five songs? What's sort of the arrangement for this for this show? I think I'm going to be doing about six or seven songs. Okay. And uh, it's pretty much split up evenly between Steve and and John and myself. You know, and uh, uh, they're both great singers. And uh, sometimes I sing backup for them. Oh wow! Which is nice. also fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, Asia is just a great band. You know, they're they're well known for the style of music they do. But believe me, they they can rock. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And John is great. Um, yes, he is. 
The last time we spoke, it was at the show in Schenectady, which was a sort of farewell, unfarewell kind of show. And at that time, you had mentioned that Shadow King, uh, the band that you were in with uh, Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard, you had some unreleased songs. You might be doing some kind of expanded or deluxe edition. Where are we on that? Uh, I've understood that you've re-recorded or recorded six new songs. Yes, the songs are recorded. They, they were taken from uh, pieces of songs that, that never progressed to the, to the point of being full-on songs. And they didn't, they didn't obviously didn't make the album, but there was a spark of something there that was, was very good. And, and um, I spent a lot of hours listening to it and, and uh, massaging it. And uh, I think I, I think I've got some some uh, very good rock songs, mm. and, and would love to to uh, release it maybe uh, a couple EPs. Oh wow, wow! Yeah, because and, that that Shadow King album is one of the greatest rock records to come out of the '90s, and yet not enough people know about it. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Lou, and it, Lou, it, you've it, worked with some of the best musicians in the world. And, you know, talking about this project specifically, working with Vivian Campbell, talk about working with Vivian and what does he bring to the band? His, his uh, creativity and, uh, and, his, and his style of guitar playing uh, uh, is, 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 its, is, its own, is its own thing. No, it's 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 enough to to build around right there, and uh, he he plays very tasty. Mm. And, What's the difference he, between? He's, he's easy to work with. Ooh. In in spite of the rumors <laughs> that, that he's a. The one thing that I've heard about Vivian is that he's a perfectionist and just loves stuff to be done to a certain standard, I guess, is the best word for it. And I guess sometimes that, that can run you into trouble, I guess, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, he is that way. And, and uh, I mean, to a degree, you got to admire it for him. But so, sometimes uh, the feel of a take and, and that, not the, the expertise of it, uh, I feel, has to overrule. Right. You know, if, if it sounds... If it sounds great, don't keep doing it again. Right. Well, talking about perfection, I mean, you got to work with one of the kings, if not the king of perfection in Mutt Lang on the Foreigner 4 record. Yes. Uh, talk up a little bit about that experience because I've been sort of doing a whole bunch of interviews with tons of people that have worked with Mutt, and the stories have just been absolutely phenomenal. Do you have any really cool tidbits of studio chatter that, are, that went on with you guys in the studio working on that record? I certainly do. Um, when we were recording Jukebox Hero, and, and I, I knew how I wanted that, that melody to come off the bridge and then start going higher and higher and then come down really hard for the beginning of, of the chorus, Jukebox Hero. Mm. He wanted he wanted me to. You, you, you know, like Bon Scott, he's going, mm -hmm. 
why don't you why don't you get up there screaming right now I, I says and then what do i have left for the chorus just more screaming i says i think it can be hard and, and intense but you gotta you gotta it's it's the b section you gotta save a little bit for the chorus but you know oh i disagree i disagree but but uh but but you know i did it his way and, and, and we did it my way and and uh we ended up keeping my way wow so that's interesting yeah he uh, he 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 out mudded mutt which yeah. you don't really hear of very often mutt likes his, his way too he, he acquiesced but 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 not without a fight but <laughs> in that sense is I, I feel like mutt is agreeable if you have a better idea well he's totally open to going with it yeah but but if he ha if he has a, if he thinks his idea is better he just wants to overrule Mm. You know, uh, and that's why we had to we had to compare the ideas, and, and both agree that that uh, how how mine built in in the bridge section to the chorus, uh, right, uh, was better for the song. Talking about jukebox hero, I read a story somewhere that those big backing vocals weren't originally supposed to be in the mix. Like you guys got a mix back, and they were missing, and Mutt freaked out and was like, "Where's the backing vocals?" And then you guys had to go and redo the mix. Is there any truth to that? Yes, I do remember uh, doing that. Um, we, we could have put the backing vocals from earlier in the song in that section, but, but even the backing vocals by that time should have been more intense and maybe with a higher note on the top yet. Mm -hmm. so, so at the 11th hour, we were in there singing our tails off. So who was doing all the backing vocals? Was it you, Mutt, and Mick around a mic, or just you yeah, and Mutt? Or it was, uh, I believe it was myself, Rick Wills, Mick, um, uh, I'm not so sure who else, uh, and, and Mutt for sure. Yeah, was Mutt's vocal like predominant in the backing vocals on that record? Um. I don't think it's predominant, not as predominant in some of the things you, as some of the things he records with other groups. Right. I mean, right. you you can listen to a couple of things and 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 you know right away it's mutt, yep. and you wonder where the rest of the group is. Yeah. But but, but we, uh, I thought we we his voice was important, but we we kept it kept it in the mix, not above the mix. Right, blended it in there. Blended it in there. Let me uh, let me take you over to the fortieth, uh, uh, the the foreigner fortieth tour that you did. I got to see a show out at uh, one of the casinos, uh, Mohegan Sun, I believe, and it was just such a fantastic moment. They come out with they 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 do the stuff with Jeff Pilson and Kelly and stuff, and then you and Dennis and Ian, you pop out and you sing and it was magical. Uh, talk to me about that 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 time. What was it like having Dennis Elliott on the drums again? Because that guy's just a monster. And do you see yourself doing a few more down the road? Because, I mean, COVID sort of, you know, put a stop to it. But is there a chance for more of those shows? Because it was one of the greatest shows in my life. And I've seen like 4,000 shows. Um, a slim possibility. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that... You know, Mick is not in good health. Mm. 
he's had he he had an operation about a, a month or six weeks ago, and I saw him in in a uh, in a video playing with the band, and and um, he, he looks drawn and weak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I I, uh, I, I uh, want him to take care of himself and 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 relax a little bit and don't put the strain of playing shows on his himself. I mean, he's he's done shows for 15, 20 years longer than I have. And, and right. uh, when I got in the band, I was 25 and he was 37. I'm 70 now. Trying to do the math real quick. Uh, he's 82. Wow, something like that. I don't think he, I don't think anyone would ever admit that, but but I I, I do think that he may not be 82, but he, but he's closer to 80 than I am. Yeah, and he doesn't really he doesn't need to be on the road with the guys. I mean, he, does he doesn't not. have anything to prove at this point. Nope. He really doesn't, and and you know the band sounds great. Uh, I've seen shows with him and without him, and the band sounds great. Um, yeah. Let me take you over to Mr. Moonlight. This is one of these albums that uh, comes out in the mid '90s, and it, again it falls under the radar. But there are two songs particularly on there: "Rain and White Lie," which might be two of the greatest foreigner songs ever written. Uh, can, I, can I interrupt you? Yeah. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Right, so yeah. so quickly talk to me about that, and and is there a frustration when you come up with these songs, such great music, and then just radio ignores it, MTV ignores it? Is that frustrating, or are you still just proud that listen, I don't care, I made a great song, I don't care. I'm proud and frustrated. Right, but 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 in 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 that time period, that that's when there was upheaval in the music business. And and a lot of the big record companies had to pare down their 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 staff, and that's when the independents came in and were signing groups, and we were signed by an independent label, and we had plenty of money to to do an album, but they had little to no promotional staff. Mm. So the, the, you know, eight weeks, 10 weeks after the album came out, we had never heard anything on the album on, on any of the radio stations around. And, and uh, we would call people and ask them to go to the record store just to see if the record was there. So, and nine times out of 10, it was not there. So they had no promotion staff and they had no, no product placed in in the major stores hmm. so, but it's so it's it, uh, although it's a great album it, it really ends up being a throwaway but it's interesting to me though because it's like you guys are foreigner like why isn't it how come you're going to an independent instead of like how come atlantic's not holding on to you at that point uh well it was, 90, it was 1994. It was, it was mutual that 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 they let us go and we wanted to go. Mm. 
Okay, you you guys wanted to go. Well, yeah. The the other thing is they they were moving on to, you know, what be, what what ended up being the Bruno Marses and and the 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 more pop, the Pinks and all those yeah. pop well, artists. Well, even your uh, even the drummer Mark Schulman ends up with Pink and Cher. He he went in the pop direction. Yes, he did. Yeah, uh, smart man. That's where the money was. Right, <laughs> right? smart man. But, but I wasn't going to change my direction to to that. I, I I couldn't see me doing that for the sake of. No. Lou Graham wasn't going to sell out. No, I couldn't see that, and, and honestly, I, I think. I think Mr. Moonlight was one of the better foreigner albums that ever existed. 100% agreed. The, the grooves were really deep and and the production was terrific. Yep. I, I'm so proud of that album and so so sad that it, that it never even scratched the surface. Yep. Oh yeah, listen, uh, folks listening today, go go look up White Lie and, and Rain. It's, it's Two of the greatest songs you'll ever hear. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that, though, did you know at record we, with the stuff moving to pop and, and there was grunge back and did record companies come to you and say, "Listen, we need to change your sound." Whether, whether it's with Shadow King or or the solo albums or with this foreign, did they come and say, "Listen, you need to be a little bit more dance beat here. Just switch it up, guys." No. no. Smart. Not, yeah. not that I, not that I think we would have. But, but I think I think they wanted to to that, you know it's, it's important for record companies to to garner fresh talent and and build it. I think we we were a, a little uh, long we were far along in our career to 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 have that happen. Hmm. I want to know what love is. Again, one of the greatest ballads. Uh, did you also get some kind of pressure from the record company at that time to say, all right, you've got a great ballad. You're going to be a ballad band. Next album has to be 10 ballads. Did, did they start, did you get that pressure with that song as well? No, but, but after Waiting for a Girl Like You, I, I think um, I think Mick wanted to make sure that there was always a strong ballad in in the... 10 songs that were on the album. Mm. But little did he know that, that the first song uh, on, on, uh, on the album after 404 would, would be released as a single, the ballad. You know, so, so we come off a huge ballad waiting for a girl and then the first single on the next album is a ballad, you know. So I, I was definitely beginning to feel that they wanted us to be like uh, Air Supply or somebody like that, you know, uh, right. uh, somewhat, somewhat of a ballad band or, or whatever. And I was raging angry that this was happening. You know, usually the ballad should come third single, fourth single, whatever. Yep. You know, agreed. Yeah. You you, you need because you you know a band like us needs to prove. Our, our our rock strength every time out first single should be a balls out killer you know yeah and and then the second and third one you, you know di different format but but still rocking you know yeah and and then then the ballad could come out you know and that that's 
that's one that affects people the most, I think. After they've been rocked, then then they then they get the sweet stuff. Every album should open with a song like feels like the first time that <laughs> come on. So, so, it, so after I want to know what love is, and, and then then Atlantic seemed reluctant to release the second and third single. I think that I think we had maybe two singles, possibly three, but they weren't putting in the effort to promote them. Hmm. And it was very strange. I, I was getting, I, I, I was feeling that, that we we're being manipulated into becoming a ballad. Well, listen, oh. I, as a fan back then, watching MTV and much music, I saw that. You know, I was used to Jukebox Hero, I was used to Hot Blooded, I was used to all that. And by 85, 86, what I saw on TV was a ballad band. And they really seemed to go ballad band. Ba and and, and for after, after I Want to Know Love Is was, I don't want to live without you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I think that was released first or second on the next album. And, and, and by then, I was out the door. Yeah, they, they, they gave us five years of being a ballad band, and you could see it. You, you know, you look at MTV from 84 onwards, or Much Music 84 onwards, 85 onwards, and Foreigner was no longer a rock band, not the presentation oh. Oh, on, on TV. You're right. And, and uh, you know, as much as I worked my tail off, and I want to know what love is, I think I had a... I had a strong presence on on that album and was contributing ideas to the arrangement too uh i got zero credit for, on that song so, so <laughs> the song was was number one around the world and and the reality is he made a hundred percent of the of the song royalties really wow. i was aced out of that completely Really? Does that, did that happen a lot, though, in the 80s? I mean, like, because I'm always curious how that works. Just talk about songwriting really quickly, because it's like we're running out of time. Well, if if uh, you're in the when, studio. When the, band, when the band started, Mick was was very fair. It was always, no matter who contributed what, between him and I, it was 50-50 or 60-40. Mm -hmm. You know, but it was always 50-50 or close to 50-50. Uh, when Waiting for a Girl came out, it was 75-25. Okay. Mm, really? And, yeah. And then when I Want to Know What Love Is came out, it was he 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 offered me 95-5. And I says, I says, I says, I don't want five. Wow, wow. I never uh, heard that so, before. So That's he, crazy. he kept a hundred. I have to say I've uh I've never understood that when, you know, for when a song is created, the guitar riff is important, the vocal is important, the drum and the drum fills are important, and they all make the song. I don't understand the guy who writes the words gets the credit because the song is everything. It's yeah. not a poem, right? The whole arrangement. <laughs> Just the, the lyrics is a poem. It's the package. It's the package. I've never understood. I mean, I've always figured that every band should be 25, 25, 25, or, or 20, 20, 20, depending on how many people are in the band. Hey, remember that old saying, write a word, get a third. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I never heard that before. Yeah, that's 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 the silliest thing ever. Um, so so me... after, after I Want to Know What Love Is, when, when, when 
when I was really treated fairly there. Uh, then he came out with, I don't want to live without you. That was completely done by him. I, I did not, I didn't, I didn't want to even partake in that. Mm. And uh, then he started writing songs completely and showing them to me, just wanted me to sing them. No input on lyrics or melody or anything. He came, he came to me with complete songs that he had written and just wanted me to sing. Wow, that's that, got to be frustrating. Is that ego? Yeah. Is that just like well, control? You call it that. Because, I mean, you're well competent in the songwriting department. It's like, well, don't you want it to be a collaborative effort at that point? I always wanted it collaborative, but 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 after a certain point, it it it, it just he got caught up in what he was doing and 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 didn't want didn't want input. Mm -hmm. Did Mutt do any ghost co-writing on Foreigner Four with you guys and didn't take any credit? I don't think so. No. Let me uh, let me just uh, before we wrap up, uh, since we're in Canada, you you did of course get a chance to do some background vocals on one of the greatest Canadian records ever, which is Brian Adams' Reckless. I mean, it's yes. di Diamond or Double Diamond, I think, at this point. Yeah, it's, it's sold uh, millions. How many is that? At least 20 million. Wow. Well, no, well, that 20 million is American. Uh, Diamond in Canada is a million, so Double Diamond is okay. 2 million. So we'll go 10. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, you've got Jim Valance on there. You've got uh, Bob Claremont and Tina Turner. You've got Mickey Curry, Steve Smith. I mean, it's it's an all star cast. God on the guitar, man. It's just it's one of the greatest records of the '80s, and it's really cool that you had a little bit of a hand in that. You know, do you do you have any memories of those recording sessions? Uh, I I remember that that Foreigner and Brian were we, we were recording in the same in the same studio, but in different in different rooms. Mm. And, and we were taking a break and Brian comes in and he looks like he's in a panic and he and and he goes right into the control room and tell tells Mick and I, I know this for sure because the 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 mic was on I could hear everything that he was saying he's saying he's doing he was nervous because uh he had he had some backgrounds to do uh, uh there was there was a a virus going through his band. Everybody, everybody in the band was was uh, laryngitis and just couldn't sing a note. Oh man! And, and he had some backgrounds done, but but he needed someone that could adapt and sing them right away. And and uh, so so Mick uh, pointed to the to the door, and I was out there, and and he says, he says, Luke, would you help me? And I says. Yeah, I says, I says, mixed doing guitar leads, I'll, I'll come right over. And, and I mean, uh, you can't get a better backing vocal team than that. You got Foreigner <laughs> in the studio next door. He had some backgrounds from his guys. Yeah. But I doubled them. I put my parts in there, and uh, I beefed, I beefed everything, almost everything up. Wow, that's uh, great. He was, that, he was that's awesome. Very, very, very uh, thankful. I can imagine. Here, I'm, I'm just going to throw in a gratuitous plug, by the way. Uh, Keith Scott, the guitarist for Brian Adams, one yes. of the most underrated guitarists in the world. I mean, I that guy is awesome. phenomenal. Yes, he's yep. awesome. He's been with him forever, right? Yep. Yeah. From the beginning. Right hand yep. And and Brian sent me a gold album. Nice. See, yes. Brian's a good guy. 
Did, did you get paid for the session, or you just he's like, here's a gift? I, I didn't want anything for the session. Didn't want anything for the session. He yeah. offered, and I told him no. I, I don't right. remember, but did Foreigner and Brian Adams tour? Didn't he open for you at some point? Yes, he did. Mm. Uh, it, we, I can't. I, I think it was their first tour. We had we had Foreigner four out, and and I'm trying to think. So, trying to think who opened for us for the first part of the tour, but he caught up with us the second leg of the tour, mm. and, and uh, he kicked butt. I, I believe that 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 particular tour went a long way in in making him star i can imagine and and as a band do you ever look out to those openers at like a like a brian and go yeah that guy's got it he will be headlining next year you, you can yes, tell I, I always pay attention for for, for ourselves too you mm. know in case uh somebody uh can't continue playing we we have a name that that would fit the bill right and you worked with Mutt Lang. He ended up going off to work with Mutt. Yes, he did. Pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I think vocally they're they're in the same range. I, I I just there's a grittiness to Lou's vocal and and to Brian's vocal, which is just phenomenal. Love them and both. He still sounds as great as he did back in the day. And actually, funny enough, Lou, he's working with Mutt on a brand new record right now that's supposed to come out this year. So he is pulled he... Mutt Lang out of retirement to do something new. Yeah, he well, is. That's good. Uh, I hope I hope somebody plays it. And I hope somebody calls you to uh, do some more background vocals. Yeah. <laughs> or a duet. Uh, Lou, always, always a pleasure. Um, yep, absolutely. August 7th. Uh, Mitch, it's called the, the Franklin County Fair. Franklin County Fair in Malone, New York. And by the way, I've been every year for the last 10 years. It is such a fun time. It's, you know, it's, it's got everything. The, the fair food and it's just great. I love it. And they bring yeah. in these great bands. I've, I've seen REO Speedwagon and Styx. And now we've got Lou with uh, John Payne and, of course, uh, Steve Augieri. So you get Journey, Foreigner, and Asia songs. It, it's a top 40 night. Yep. And then when you're done, you can go down to 37, hit up the Aguazasne Mohawk Casino. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, you know where to go, don't you? Oh, yes. yeah. We know we know that area well. Oh, that's great. Uh, Lou, always a pleasure. As we say in Montreal, merci. Uh, just fantastic. And thank you for all the music over the years. It's it's Love it. And yeah. folks, Mr. Moonlight, come on, let's go make it a top ten record now. Go, go stream it. Let's get, let's get it trending. Stranger things have happened, right? Correct. Yeah. Just take somebody to remind folks. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks a so lot, Mick. Uh, Lou, this, Mitch, we're good over there. Well, thanks a lot, Lou. Appreciate it so much. And hopefully, we'll be able to get over the border and uh, get to see this show. If not, we're gonna we're gonna sneak over somehow. <laughs> Whether we have to quarantine or not, we we need to see each other. Sounds good. All right. Cheers. Thanks.